Well, hey, Jesse, welcome. Thanks for having me. To my podcast, Pursuit of Unhappiness. I'm sitting here with Jesse Novak. But I I want to start it off and let's let's go into who is Jesse? Like, what do you do? Who are you? Because I, I just don't, you know, I don't know. What do I do? I, uh, I do a lot of things. By trade, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. That's mainly what I do. And until recently, I also worked for Get Hip Recordings uh, as kind of a side thing that was mainly done out of passion and fun. What did you do with them? Like Whatever needed to be done. Okay. Mail order, various things, pricing used records. Um, I, I miss getting pictures of Greg's cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's got two now. And okay. uh, yeah, Iggy and Ziggy are mm. his cats. Okay. Um, so do that. I host a radio show that I've done for 11 years. Um, before that, I've did radio shows in West Virginia and in Pittsburgh um, since 1993. Practice a lot of martial arts. Yeah, That's sort of what I do, I guess, in a nutshell. Who am I? Just a person, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I guess... Maybe we'll figure out on this podcast who I am. Yeah, that, that's that's actually going to be what my new goal for the podcast is, is mm-hmm. I'm going to help people figure out what the fuck I, they are. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually like that. You could charge me to come on the podcast. <laughs> true, true. It I might take more than one episode. but <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to turn into a therapist with a podcast, you know. I, cool. It actually sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Wouldn't it be terrible? I know, I feel like with this podcast, almost like there's this slightly selfish part of me that like the more I get to have these type of really cool deep conversations with people I feel like I learn shit a little bit more about myself and get to explore new ideas so you know it's gonna go both ways yeah let's just say that yeah yeah so I always also like especially if I know the people and I've like known them for a while which you and I met what like at least a year and a half two years ago now it was definitely pre-pandemic so time yeah really probably meaningless. 2019 yeah that sounds about yeah. right so i'd like to talk about first impressions because i feel like sometimes like how people come off may or may not be who they are but i think it's interesting to talk about that because the more i have people telling me how i come off i'm like oh it's interesting that's not who i thought i was mm-hmm. so i think if i remember correctly when I first met you was at Get Hip Records for a show. Might have been the Cheats, too. Uh, yeah, it was a record store day show uh, with yeah. the Cheats and the Chokers. And there might have been a third band that I can't recall right now. But I think I was DJing. Yeah, yeah. You were DJing and I was selling beer. Yes. For my brewer that yeah. I'm working at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first impression of of getting meeting me. You kind of just came up and said that you liked what I was DJing. You might have some events that you needed a DJ for. I think you gave me your card. And I was uh, just, you know, I was definitely stoked to hear something like that. And I mean, that was really the extent of our interaction, Mm -hmm. as far as I can recall. And... I do remember that there had been someone else from the same brewery there at a show not long before that. And they were very unfriendly. They didn't seem like they wanted to be there. And, and you seemed genuinely happy to be there and, um, and were enjoying yourself. But I can specifically recall that person. Like it was like the last thing that person wanted to do was get me a beer um so i i was it was refreshing to see someone really enjoying being there and yeah i feel like getting being able to be part of those shows was really fun you know because like oh i get to go do my job and also enjoy bands and music and whatnot and yeah that that was definitely a great like recant of the situation but i think like when i showed up i'm like i don't think i had seen you at a show there yet whether or not, I don't know whether or not, I'm sure you were probably there, other ones, but yeah, I just like got super fucking stoked that I'm like sitting behind the table and then I hear the song and I'm like, 
what the fuck is this? This is awesome. So I had my phone out the entire time using Google Song Finder. I'm like, what is this? What is this? And I feel like nice. now you kind of still do that for me because with your podcast yeah. and then obviously with your your radio show, Roots and Rhythm, I'm just always like, yes, new music. Yes, things I haven't heard before. And I always get nice. really jazzed about that. Cool. So I was always like, I was really jazzed on, I, I, even at that point, I'm like, I still get awkward about trying to approach people and like talk to people. But I was like, nope, I can't not just say hi. I want to be this dude's friend. Yeah. 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 Nice. I think you gave me your card and I think I texted you the next day because I was like, no, whatever's right. going on, I definitely want to DJ for yeah. whatever she's got going on. Back. So that was 2019. So that was definitely maybe before I officially decided to end Brutal Beer Festival. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point I was like, I'd like to bring Brutal back. I want to do other smaller events. And that was, I think, definitely my first intention with talking to you. But what was really cool is that most people probably don't know is that you also then DJed the art show that the Art of Mad- Madness. I met these people in New York City who owned this huge collection of like murderabilia and it was really cool medium because they decided that at one point that maybe in the future they were going to like take it on the road and like show off some of the art that they had from serial killers or people who had been in jail. They had letters, they had photos and they had the um, heaven's gate like bunk bed too. So that was really that cool was to wild. part of that. Yeah. It was, it was so cool to be a part of it and to see all of that. And, <laughs> That was a really fun night, and it ended with some wild friends of mine from New Orleans starting a bar fight. Oh, no. Yeah, it was totally <laughs> fucking crazy. Um, but, yeah, it was a fun night, for sure. That's wild. Where did that happen at? Uh, I don't want to name the place. Okay, no, it's totally yeah. fine. That's totally yeah, yeah. fine. That's, that's really funny, though. Yeah, it was a good time. So like even with first impressions and like with I feel like you have a pretty wide range of things that you do like between music and like fitness and health and all of that. What do you feel like is even whether or not it's you or how you interpret this question is up to you is that is there anything you feel like can be like really misunderstood about either you or your work or um, something else? I think I'm probably pretty easy to understand. I uh, I think my work is sometimes pretty can be misunderstood, particularly within, you know, the fitness world. I think there are, you know, shows like The Biggest Loser or whatever sort of have this kind of, you know, coaches that are yelling at people. And, you know, I'm not a high school football coach. I'm not yelling at people. Mm-hmm. In some senses, you know, you do, you're a bit of a cheerleader for people, but really you're helping people, you're coaching them to make better decisions Mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, with their physical health uh, to make themselves stronger. I mean, most of my, most of my clientele are general population that want to be healthier. Sure. And it's not about like any tough guy crossfit thing it's really just about trying to make people as strong and healthy as as i can and so i do think there can be a little bit of uh, a misconception of of what my role is with people um and how i approach it but beyond that I don't think there's there's too many misconceptions. I think I think you hit that. I, I can totally see what you're talking about too, because I think the moment you say something health and wellness or even if you talk bring in like mindfulness or anything related to being healthier, I think there's always some other connotation that people take because of how monetized I think that has become. You yeah. know, we're talking about beach body or like any other workout that you have actually it popped in my head um a few years ago i had bought a diamond dallas's page or diamond dallas page is like uh yoga like video series and i've heard like, about that yeah and i liked it and i thought it was awesome but i feel like even that like you start saying oh yeah i've been doing yoga and stuff like that like people are like thinking of that basic white girl per se who's you know super tiny already and she is just doing yoga 
Whereas I felt like I liked that series just because it did try to change the mold a bit more too. And I, I kind of appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot within my industry that could change in, in those regards. Um, and the one thing is there's sort of like this physical idea or ideal for a lot of people. And we get really fixated on that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is like, to some extent, your body's going to be at the weight it needs to be at. Sure. If you, you can try and deprive yourself of food, but like, you're just going to be hungry all the time. Right. Um, and that's not to say that weight loss is impossible. It absolutely is. But if you're making proper nutrition choices and you're exercising, training regularly, that might just be a person's natural weight. Sure. And, and we need to be accepting of different body types uh, rather than emphasizing, I've been doing this for three months. Here's the progress. Six months, nine months. Here's the progress. What we really need to be doing in my industry is three years, six years, nine years of looking at the progress that people have made after making real lifestyle changes. Sure. Um, you know, whether it's nutrition or exercising differently or more and finding what works for them. You know, everybody has different levels that they want to commit, that they're able to commit. So it's an industry that's always changing. And like you said, there's a lot of things that have been monetized about it and, and in very negative ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we can work towards finding healthier ideals and not just uh, starving ourselves uh, yeah. and, and being comfortable with who we are. You know, if you go to, if you have blood work done and everything's saying you're healthy and you're eating properly, that might be where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I reflect while you're talking about that of like, even my journey through being in the craft beer industry, like from when I started to now. And <clears throat> when I started, I was like, pretty small like physically like even with like my muscle strength to now and i think of like i remember watching like my body physically change from just doing that job but it started then affecting like how i weighed how much i weighed and then even now like i know i've like had these ups and downs throughout that period where like i was drinking more and then not drinking and uh like i I think of like now in the in my mind as far as health as like, of course, there's certain things like I personally, I'm like, yeah, I wish I'll, I'll I want to work out more so I can weigh a little bit less. But I think in general, I'm like the healthiest version of myself at this given point in time. And I think like having a little bit more acceptance of that and doing like that, you know, inner outer work just so that you are living a healthier life, I think is really important to look at and also leads more towards how do you feel about yourself? And I think you're able to make even more progress when you feel better about just who you are Yeah. versus feeling like I want to be affected by all these external factors. Yeah. Tell me where I should be. Absolutely. AKA fuck beach body. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even want to bring beach body up. <laughs> we'll call him out right yeah. here, right now. <laughs> and, and I'll call out all the trainers in the world that sell that garbage uh yeah absolutely and there's a lot of them so yeah now i kind of going a little bit maybe back um i was curious if you're comfortable like taking us through the journey of like what really brought you to where you are now and if you can think on like were there any like really pivotal moments that maybe even like changed how you decided to live your life yeah, you know, I, sort of like a condensed version, sure. I think. I was uh, like a really troubled young man, uh, you know, as an adolescent and teenager. I, I think troubled is really the only word that I can think of. Like I was I was a, a wild kid. Um, I was angry. I was hurting. And... Um, I was attracted to a lot of dark things, but I also was pretty early on introduced in when I was in eighth grade, I was introduced to, uh, strength training mm. 
And so I always had that a little bit in my life one way or another. Um, and it was something that I could kind of fall back on a little bit. I knew that physical activity was good for me. Like I, sure. I'm an intensely physical person. I, I'm pretty concrete based. I, I'm not super like into esoteric thought. My, my mind just doesn't work that way. Sure. Like a lot of people, I, I was into punk rock and heavy metal. And that was a, a big part of who I was and, and what I did and my the social scene I surrounded myself with. And I drank a lot and I, I liked to get fucked up. Like yeah. that was yeah. like a big part of my life for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think at some point in my late 20s, I think I knew I needed to make a change. Okay. I, I, I was uh, drinking far too much. And for, you know, I, I was in a marriage at the time that I should never have been in. Sure. And I um, ended up getting divorced. And, you know, through that, I was, I was active. I would go mountain biking. I'd mountain bike 17 miles, but, you know, then come home and drink a six pack and smoke a bunch of weed or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, if you like beer, you like weed, whatever. I, It's just, for me, I'm not built for it. And then around that time like that I got divorced, I, I was like, I, I need to make changes. And I, I really started to change the way I was living at that point. And there was, uh, there was actually one moment where I, I would, was hanging out with a few friends and uh, I woke up the next morning and I was like, yeah, I've got to change things. And from then on, I, I really just went in a different direction and was there any part of like a conversation that that like before you woke up like you know the night prior or was it just it was that <laughs> moment you just woke up and you're like this is it yeah i was like i i i can't live like this i'm not gotcha. built for it i think there are people who can do it i was not that person like i mm-hmm. i think i would have had lasting physical repercussions gotcha. um i'm just not made for it and um at that point, you know, I'd been doing yoga quite a bit and, and running and uh, a lot of biking, but I was still drinking pretty heavily on top of it. And, um, you know, I've, I've made a lot of changes since then. Okay. Um, I know it's, it's, it's always a journey. I, I feel like that's not the best version of the story that I could tell, yeah. but, but I think that's sort of the one thing I try and tell the people I work with is like, it really is a journey. Like you've got to look at your involvement in physical culture as uh, a journey and, and see where you are in 10 years and how far you've come. Like if I look at where I was 15 years ago and where I am now, like just I'll use my diet as uh, an example. Like my diet was good 15 years ago, but now it's, excellent uh I, I feel really good about it and so you just you learn things and you you know it's just life yeah, yeah. i i definitely i can agree with that so much and um i i like hearing how even throughout that entire scenario it's like you know physical wellness has always kind of been weaved through that and it's always been that thing that you can kind of like lean back on and um i i can also think about that Having that reflection of, I think it's oftentimes overlooked. Cause I mean, I think you can even reflect on shorter terms, but I do appreciate you saying like, it is about a longer, it's not about what's happening right now, even though we want that immediate satisfaction all the time. I know so many people feel that way, but I'll interrupt you for just yeah, one second. Yeah, for sure. Like the one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't think about, it's like, how long did it take you to get here? Right. Like, how long did it take you? How much time of ignoring your physical health did it take you to get to the state where you're finally calling me right and you really kind of have to figure that if it took you five years of ignoring things it could very well take you 10 to really start to make the changes that you need to to take uh, and to make and sorry go ahead oh no i mean i think like because we always want that immediate satisfaction but i think about it in relation to not only just like physical wellness, but mental wellness and thinking about that progress, like how do you feel about yourself like a year from when you start actually taking care of yourself, whether you're talking about mental health or physical health. Mm -hmm. And it, 
when you're able to at least pause and like be grateful for that you took that time and reflect on it, you're like, I might not be the most different human or version of myself, but there are changes. Yeah. You know, think about it. And like, if you would have talked to me three years ago, I was like, I'm always trying to be better. I'm always trying to do research and blah, blah, blah. It, but I understand now I'm like, I am just, I'm just actually not trying to be a better version of myself. I'm trying to just be who I am and try to find the most authentic version of myself. Like who's actually here. And like, I want to love that person. Yeah. And so I think about like the, my, my vision of how I see myself is significantly different. And so that's just like in a three year span. Yeah. So yeah, it takes time. It does. And, and I think for a lot of people caring about yourself and, you know, as, as, corny as it sounds like loving yourself it, it can be a really difficult thing to come to terms with and and to understand i think it, it can even be difficult yeah. it you know i i think that's certainly been the case with me uh with my own experiences so is there anything you want to want to elaborate on because i am curious because i i feel very similar that um, it's a big topic and it's hard I think for a long time, I, I knew how to take care of myself physically, particularly over the last 15 years. Um, I think taking care of myself on a mental and spiritual level mm. was a bigger challenge for me. And it's something I'm still learning. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's any different than a lot of other people. I think, you know, one way or another, we there's probably people who take care of themselves really well mentally, but not physically sure. uh, or, or whatever it is. And is there any sort of practices that you have in place right now that for like the more mental spirituality side of things or mindfulness of sorts? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, during the pandemic, I, so I've practiced yoga for about 13 years now, a little, maybe a little more. And, during the the pandemic when things were shut down uh at the behest of uh, a really good friend of mine i started taking uh some bhakti yoga classes and that has been a recent discovery for me that has uh uh really helped me with a lot of things like that like with things that i can apply to my life um in a lot of different ways to make me uh, probably a better person probably a lot easier for some people to deal with because i certainly have moments where i'm pretty <laughs> fucking intense uh so yeah i i think through that i think it's introduced ideas of gratitude which is something i i already was getting pretty you know i was pretty aware of um really being grateful for what i have mm -hmm. rather than thinking about what i don't have sure. because i live a pretty rich life in a lot of ways not necessarily financially um so gratitude being aware of that um being aware that i'm really fortunate to be to do all the things that i do and that with all of those things, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, I, I work at two different places. I, I run a small independent business that I run out of SKN Muay Thai. Uh, I'm a strength and conditioning coach there. It's called The Deepest Root. You can find it on Instagram. And I also work for the YMCA uh, out of the Y in the, the Hill District. And it, through both of those things and through my work with WYEP, like I'm a part of something much bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And that has uh, been a big thing for me, a, a community uh, and knowing that like I'm contributing to something other than just me. I'm not just, it's not just about me. Uh, yeah. It's about giving back to these organizations that I work with. And, you know, I, I've got to support myself, but being kind of aware of all those things kind of has definitely, when I get into dark places, mm -hmm. which can happen, I mean, it happens to everyone. Right. Um, I tend to be there a little less so it's not as dark and it's not as long yeah yeah um because i can think about you know the other day i was so fucking moody i can't even remember why i was in a bad mood but i was like i 
get to go and train people. Like, this is great. Someone's paying me to do this. Right. And um, I'm really fortunate because a lot of people don't get to find something that they're good at and something that they love. And I got to do both. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that touches on that progress too that, you, that you're talking yeah. about. And I feel, I feel very similar that people will probably know now by now, like, cause I'm going to talk about it on like a side episode, but like, like going through this breakup that when I had my last therapy session, you know, my therapist was almost freaking out in a way. Like she was terrified that I wasn't processing it because by the time I talked to her, I was probably about a month past when I, when that all happened. And she knows me enough to know that like I tended to just like try to rationalize everything to get back to like a normal state versus like feel every emotion I should feel, feel the anger, feel the pain and like go through the motions. But I, I feel like now because I still have that ability to like go through it um, and rationalize things, I can do it a little faster even like, and like I can let myself feel that, but because I let myself and I get it out and I don't try to harbor it, that. I'm able to move through it a little bit easier and yeah. get past it a little bit more and have things in place. Like I write, like when I, like I, I write as much as I possibly can, like through journaling and stuff, because I can't let it sit with me anymore. Like I have to give it to something else. But yeah. So I, I just wanted to like touch on that. Cause of like, I think like being able to reflect that, like, yeah, you can, your life always ebbs and flows. No one is ever just 100% positive. Yeah. But being able to say, yeah, I'm just not as mad, like as long that's cool to like think about that as progress but i also appreciate how you look at life as like in this like gratitude state because so often i think we're just put in this mode of this is about me this is about me what do i need for myself what do i need about myself but when you're able to step back from that life has this life can mean more to you when you're able to see what else is going on around you yeah i i think another you know really kind of touching on what you just said, it's really easy to go through life and being like, what can I get from this? What can I do? I need this. This is, you know, what can I get for myself rather than, you know, how can you serve? Mm -hmm. Because that is something that can bring an incredible amount of uh, gratitude and happiness. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be some grandiose bullshit. You can do small things to serve and contribute to your, to your community. It, it can be something as simple as like working in a community garden. It can be something as simple as I look at my radio show in, in some sense as uh, a contribution. You know, I'm a volunteer radio host. I get no money. I spend money on that show and I'm playing music that doesn't normally get to be played. Mm -hmm. I'm supporting local artists. Is it, it's not going to change the fucking world and I don't want it to, but it's a small bit of contribution to hopefully make the world less of a shitty place. And yeah, I, I have a, I have a story that I'm thinking of that before we started this, I was telling, talking to you about like the equity and inclusion work that I was doing. And I remember when I was, it was first kind of introduced to like, maybe this could be a thing. And it was a couple months after I got divorced in 2019 and I, I kind of felt like everything leading up to that point was I want to open a brewery with my now ex-husband and that was the goal. And then you get divorced and or I got divorced and I'm like, I, I don't know what ex what what I want anymore. I don't know what I should do. And I had a friend approach me about being part of starting this like committee through our state brewers guild that would focus on doing work with equity and inclusion and trying to help bring more diversity to the craft beer industry in Pennsylvania. And it was honestly a very similar thing. It was like, it was the first time I think in like my life or career that I felt like what I was about to be doing actually mattered. Like making beer for people mattered so much less than the idea of helping change our community so that people felt more included. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I think making people feel included and be a part of a community is such an important thing uh, to foster things like that. At some point, it doesn't matter who you are, like someone cooler than you included you right. in, in something and, and uh, you appreciated it. 
like it doesn't i don't care who you are it's happened and and making people feel safe uh and and making them feel that there's a place for them and yeah it's, it's it's huge i think on my end for me because i i you know when we're reflecting in like my career like i kind of always wish i had a mentor or i or i wish i had someone there and i'm sure there were people there in subtle ways but i i think about even now in being in the industry for 11 years that i'm like i kind of want to be the person that i also needed when i was starting yeah and i i think that's been really huge in like keeping me motivated yeah and, and i mean that's a great way to put it even hearing you say it like is uh kind of a, a mind opener in a way like it just makes you i've and i feel like i've even done that in different ways even personally in my own like mental health journey and whatnot and I have had like a little bit of a turbulent relationship with my parents and like went through like having a broken home and having to do with them dealing with their own divorce and their own life and stuff like that and how it impacted me that at times often when I was younger, I'm like, I felt really alone and I felt like I always kind of like needed something. And I'm also, I see how it's impacted other parts. It affects my relationships, blah, blah, blah. But these are things that I'm addressing. But one practice, um, I had something hit me really hard during the winter where it was just like my relationship with my mom was like, I, I was just thinking about it a lot. And I realized I was doing some meditation and was going through this practice, like conversations with your future self. And I kind of flipped that around and tried to do this conversation with my younger self. So I was doing what I'm talking about now where I'm saying like, you know, be the person I needed. But that was exactly what I was doing in the meditation was I was meeting up with a younger version of me, the childhood version of me and like telling them the things they needed to hear doing like doing the things that they need, they wanted and needed. And, um, it was honestly one of the most impactful and healing things that I could have done for myself yeah. at, at that given time. And yeah, that's amazing. That. Yeah. Where did you come up with that idea? So the conversations with your future self was a meditation um, that Tara Brock okay. did. And I would watch on, listen and watch on YouTube. And so that's where I kind of flipped it around because I was just feeling so much at that point. And like, something else that's like stemming from when I was a child and stemming from something so deep and long ago that I'm like, well, something needs to heal here. And I need to be that if I can't necessarily get that thing from my parents, obviously now me as a 33 year old that I, I need to do it for myself. And I, I need to, and it came back to loving yourself. That, that was a big focus then too, is that there's something stopping me from loving myself fully. Like I've been working on just my mental health and, you know, every aspect of like becoming just closer to the version of myself that I can be. And, but there's still this thing that's missing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing all this work and I still don't like myself. And that was the moment I was like, I have to, I have to reshift this and refocus how I approach it. Yeah. And the goal has to be, how do I get to a point where I'm I'm just happy with who I am? Yeah. Some people never get there. Yeah. It's hard. It, it's a lot of work. Um, it is. It's like you have to be vulnerable with yourself, kind of. Yeah. And, and alone in that. Yeah. And I think I also looked at talking about trying to even find subtle ways where I think loving yourself isn't always this like direct thing that you do. It's not like one day you wake up and you're like, I like myself today. You know, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, I looked at, you know, deciding to leave my relationship as one way of loving myself because ultimately at the end of the day, I wasn't getting exactly what I needed. And as much as I'm like, this person was like almost the person that I, that I wanted or needed and to being like, it's not it. So you need to leave and being able to recognize that and realize that, it's okay to now, now you're going to put yourself in a painful situation, but you're still loving yourself enough to know that there's probably something else better, greater, better for you out there, as well as then deciding to live in a camper. I had always wanted to do that. And I finally was like, I'm not going to ever do this if I don't do it now. Yeah. And now's the time. Yeah. So being able to make that decision that this is scary and it's something completely different than what's normal. Yeah. And just doing totally. it. Totally. So even if I hate it in six months, I still 
did it. And yeah. I felt like I look at that as another way of yeah. loving myself enough to just make a new decision if it doesn't work out. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, that's, I'm really excited to hear how that goes for you. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a gutsy step. And, uh, I think we were talking about, you had to get a, get rid of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I think shedding a lot of needless material shit will probably be very freeing and you'll probably be very happy. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, and this might be even a good question to talk about you, but I think like where I'm at now, and it's kind of like, makes me think of like, when you have like roots, I think in like punk rock or heavy metal, it's just like, it's always on the outskirts of like the norm in a way. And I feel like with what everything that I'm doing now, I'm like, my mindset is fuck the status quo. I don't give a fuck if this is the normal or not. This is what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. I was curious if you am ha- talking about getting rid of shit and like, you know, not looking at things materialistically. Is there anything that you feel like that you kind of have now bring to your older self that may have stemmed from like the influences of say like music or whatnot? Yeah, like just in terms of how I live and sure. yeah, um, yeah, and you know, it, it, you brought up a couple good points there. I mean, you know, with punk rock and heavy metal, a long a lot of times it's just it's subculture. It's mm-hmm. like you said, just a little bit outside. Um, but what I'm truly interested in is like counterculture. Like I want something that is going against mm-hmm. a lot of uh, what I see in the world. And in terms of like the punk rock heavy metal thing, like I think that, you know, I'm not a hardcore kid. I I have plenty of friends here and and elsewhere that are. And but it's interesting like through punk rock and hardcore. I've met people that have had uh, a tremendous impact on my viewpoints and how I approach my life and my ideals and, and my spirituality. Um, none of that came through heavy metal. Um, that unfortunately, you know, that world for me was more or less just fun. Uh, it was, you know, no different than comic books. Um, but like who I am inside is very much informed by, uh, people that I met through, uh, the punk rock and hardcore world. And it, and it continues to be sometimes in amazing ways. Um, Do you have any good examples or anecdotes? Um, even as a strength and conditioning coach, I derived a uh, great influence. I, I won't, there's a guy, I won't call him a mentor, uh, but borderline, like someone who just gave me some incredible guidance, mm-hmm. uh, made me so much better at what I do and change my viewpoints towards it to where I really view physical culture, uh, you know, taking care of yourself. Like that's rebellion. Like Mm -hmm. that's government doesn't want you to be healthy. Right. You know, the police certainly don't want you to be healthy. Um, they don't want people with, you know, strong bodies and sharp minds because you're far easy, you're far harder to control. And yeah, there's a a couple people that have helped me to, to kind of, uh, come to that approach. And that's cool. um, I really fucking like that. Yeah. That one's staying in the bank. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I steal from the best. I, (laughs) I, I was really fortunate to, uh, to or I have been very fortunate to meet people that have impacted me uh, greatly uh, along the way. <clears throat> so I, I don't know where I would be without some of those. I probably I don't know, I can't even imagine. But I think that I you know that was something that uh, my involvement with uh, underground music communities. Uh, directly and indirectly led me to that so yeah i'm you know that's another just something that i i look at with a lot of wonder in my life like i i'm not sure i even understand it sure like you kind of touched on the idea of spirituality and i feel like it's something that i am like kind of currently exploring because i'm not religious i've never grew up with religion i 
don't even care to even call myself an atheist. I just don't give a fuck because that's how little religion matters to me. But I think with all of the things that I'm learning and teaching myself to like, you know, and, and the practices I'm putting in place have like led me to this place of like, I, and when it initially was happening, I call it like my, Megan's hippie phase of sorts. But I'm like, cause I'm like talking about the universe. I'm talking about like inner divine shit. And I'm like, it makes me feel really uncomfortable still, but the thoughts and ideas that come behind it of like, thinking about like i think we each have like in us what we need in this life you know and but i do think that there is like this bigger energy around us that i don't i don't really totally understand or think about but i was curious like for you what does that spirituality mean and do you have any other defined ways to look at it uh you know it's it is something that evolves slowly i think for a lot of time for a long time i really rejected spirituality just because everything i heard sounded very hokey to me mm-hmm. yeah you you know you mentioned like megan's hippie phase and it all sounded like a bumper sticker or or a meme so my approach to it was the best thing i can do is just live my life the best way i can and i i kind of ignored that end of things but Slowly over time, um, through yoga practice, I've been introduced to people who have really opened uh, my mind a lot towards uh, a lot of different ideas. And I don't, I won't put a uh, a sort of def- definition on it, mm-hmm. other than to say I'm open to uh, to learning and and to hearing new ideas. And, um, I, I will say one of the things is just like material life. Um, you're giving up a ton of material things and you're going to go live in a trailer with like very little, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. for anyone who's listening, like it's, it's a, that does, hasn't seen it. It's very small, but it's very cool. And she's pimping this shit out. It's going to be cool. But I think like you're really going to end up probably focusing on like your inner life in a lot of ways and, and not, you know, collecting shit um, or, or anything like that. And like, you can't take any of that shit with you when you die. Right. Like, and if you believe, if you don't believe in a spirit or a soul or anything, then there's nothing wrong with that. Then, you still can't take it with you. It, right. Like there's no, like that's an indisputable truth. Like the money, the record collections, the cars, houses, like it's all going to be here. And if you don't believe in a spirit or soul, that's fine. Then you're not there anymore. But if you do believe in it, mm-hmm. then it's worth to invest in the non-material life. I think a little bit. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, that is stuff that you know has has come to me over time like through like yogic culture um uh, mm-hmm. through krishna really yeah. is really what that is all derived from although i want to make clear i'm not a hari krishna uh <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and, and there's no you know more power to anyone who is uh, yeah and i i think um, talking about that, I think like one idea that like definitely I've been was introduced like from doing like more mindfulness practices and learning a little bit more even like Buddhism and all that, but of like just being and just existing. And the one thing I know for sure that I found and I saw a change in is that I don't react as much to people trying to think of a good way to say this like if someone's coming to me so okay i i'm definitely guilty of being like going into caretaker mode with people like i mentioned you know i'll go into mama bear mode is what i'll call it too and uh like when i hear people upset or needing help i'll instantly take responsibility for them or like if they're just really if they're just like coming like say it's a coworker and they're coming in they're just like complaining something bad happened or something um shitty happened while they're working 
I, I found that there's this balance between like being able to be empathetic and understanding and supportive versus trying to take responsibility for how they feel and changing that. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and I felt like in, in being able to just to exist and be and be okay in that space. And I think that's like that practice kind of has helped me get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, taking responsibility for people, that's heavy because then you just, mm-hmm. you kind of have to deal with all kinds of crazy shit. Um, but things that are out of your control yeah yeah because ultimately that that and that's my understanding now is that like i can only control myself yeah that's very true and i can only change things for myself so it's like if the other person is not that you're whether it's a partner or coworker, whatever it is if they're not doing that thing to change themselves either to change the situation so that they're not in that state then there's nothing you can do yeah all you can do is help people yeah. They point out a direction for them. Yeah. Yeah. And you hope that they like move that way. But if not, then there's nothing you can do. You, yeah. either, you either accept that that's their form or you, you leave and you walk yeah. away. I mean, it's important to uh, keep people around you that are more realized than, than you. Like mm-hmm. I, um, but sometimes you're going to be the more realized person. Mm-hmm. So, help pay it forward to the people who need it and you know have someone that you can look to as well so that way you're not always so much taking care of people just sort of looking out for them a bit yeah and i think through all of this like development over time like i heard this quote a while ago of like you are the cumulative of the five people you keep close to you. And I think about that because I think it'll allow you to even reflect on are, are you keeping people around you that are like able to manage themselves and work through problems themselves even if you're even if they still need you. Like sometimes yeah. friends come to you because they just need to be feel validated for being upset and then you're just there to say oh, I'm really sorry that really fucking sucks. You know, but if you have someone constantly finding problems and something's always going wrong there's they're always the common denominator in that Mm -hmm. and um it's good to be conscious about where those boundaries are for you yeah yeah boundaries are important one question it's kind of related to this but um i always like talking to people about it is how do you approach like hard topics or conflict whether you're talking about work interpersonal co-workers whatever you know i'll be honest i rarely am in a position work-wise where I have that. Um, I basically am a one-man show for work. Mm -hmm. I do have co-workers at uh, all places, Uh, but because of the way things are set up, there's rarely conflict. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm really fortunate in that. I don't have a lot of like meetings where I have to collaborate with people on, on things or, or there that might be like life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, um, that's, it's a hard, it's a difficult question, but it, it's also really difficult to answer because I just don't have much of it, it mm-hmm. in terms of work anyway. Like sure. there's, there's very little of that. Um, there are times, you know, I, I mentioned essentially like I run my own small business, deepest root strength, conditioning, nutrition, mm-hmm. and I work at SKN Muay Thai and East Liberty and they are wonderful people. Um, Mike Siemens and Marissa, they're, they've welcomed me there and, and really, uh, it's such a great place. So there's never really, I haven't been there that long, but we've never had any issues. Mm-hmm. I've also worked for the YMCA of greater Pittsburgh for years in the same capacity. And again, like there's very rarely been any kind of conflict. It's, and, and I think a lot of that comes back to like on both fronts, you know, it's a united force. Like it's mm-hmm. people who understand the mission and and we're working towards that and you know again it's that's another just thing where i'm really fortunate and i'm not suited for business meetings i mean i can have business meetings they're (laughs) they're necessary but you know like the office life business thing where where there's all kinds of 
nonsense meetings. Like I tried to do that at a point in my life and like, I'm bad at it. And I uh, am glad I'm no longer there. Oh, like yeah. I, so yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have a better answer for that. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> so what is, what is something that maybe you've changed your mind about? And we can, whatever time frame, whether that's like just a short period of time or maybe even from like, maybe when you're 20s to now. Uh, kids. Okay. I, I don't have kids, but I, I think they're a really good thing for a lot of people. Okay. I, I, I like the idea of having a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still real scared of it, though. Like, I like. What was the change then? Like when you were younger, did you have you want nothing to do with kids? Yeah, then? yeah, nothing. Okay. I was like, particularly when I was married, I was like, I am not having fucking kids. Like, yeah, because oftentimes not... it's like, no, I just don't want to have kids with yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> there might have been a little bit of that. It's definitely, it's an intimidating thing for me. I give people credit. People like jump into it, and oh, yeah, I'm like, you have five kids. Like, how do you do that? Like, I could mm. barely have me and a dog. But I, I think that that's another way to contribute, like raising a kid that's not a total shithead, hopefully. Right. Um, and with good values. Yeah. So I pro kid. Um, that is definitely something that I've changed my mind on because uh, I was sort of like, they just gave me the heebie-jeebies. But uh, you change. Uh, so that would be one thing. I think that's probably the biggest yeah, thing. I, like I, I feel very similar. Like when I was in my 20s. I, like especially in my early twenties, I was like, no way, no how, never having a child, not doing this whatsoever. But like for me, it was more so because of my relationship with my parents. I was actually like terrified that I would just maybe treat a child like that. Yeah, like, you know. And I was so scared of that. And also then couple that with like my ex husband that I'm like, he was not the right person that I would have wanted to have kids with. And um. I think that's something that has changed for me now that I'm in my thirties and I'm like, you know what? I would be fine. I, I, the only thing that I go back and forth on is that I feel similarly, like I feel like I'd bring a really cool kid into the world, especially with all the like work that I've put into myself that I'd be able to share really good ideas and put them in a direction where they can then be a really good person to society. And on the other hand, I'm like, this world is full of people. There's a lot of fucked up things. Do I want to do that to a child at the same time? Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's the yeah. thing I go back and forth on. But. It's a lot. Um, I think a lot of my fear of having kids uh, and my just sort of staunch uh, stance on not having them was rooted in the fact that I knew I couldn't be a good parent. But I think mm-hmm. over the last seven or eight years, I've gotten to the point where I think like, I would be okay. Um, I could I could be a decent parent. I, I think I was still a little unhinged up until like maybe seven, eight, ten years ago. Maybe sure. uh, I've slowly. Not to make a joke out of this, I just feel like I think about it like we're gonna give our children less trauma. Yeah, a different, a better type of trauma. Yeah, one that they won't have to go to therapy when they're you know, 18 to 22. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's everyone fucks up. Everyone it, fucks I mean, up. look, parents are what fuck kids up. It doesn't matter who yeah. it's uh, one way or another. You should probably move out of your parents' house when you're about 15 yeah. and be independent. Unfortunately, we have not really set society up for a way to do that um, in any sensible manner. Mm-hmm. Uh I can only imagine. I can't judge any parents, really. It's not my place. And uh, I can only imagine the difficulties. I can only imagine the difficulties of raising me. Like, it, sure. I was a fucking lunatic. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's one thing that's like even helped heal some things for me is like, I imagine that. So, like, my parents were in their early 20s having children. And I'm like, I was a fucking idiot in my early 20s. I made no good decisions. I was so impulsive. I could only imagine. Trying to have a kid all of a sudden. And, yeah. Have a yeah. kid and then also have to figure out who you are as a person. Yeah. Because I think like even talking about like, I don't, I don't think society sets us up well for anything is like, if these type of conversations like ones we're having could happen, like when people are like in their early teens or just like, be able to openly talk about what could happen in life 
and start setting people up and putting things in place so that by the time they're in their 20s, they can just like enjoy themselves and like have some level of know-how to go through those experiences with like better ease almost, you know, versus Mm -hmm. like here in my 20s, here are all the life lessons that you're going to now have to deal with in your 30s. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It would be nice if we, uh, you know, were able to do that. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know what a, a teenage kid is like. Are they able to have these conversations? Uh, I didn't want to have any conversations with my parents. I was like, yeah, fuck these people. Like, yeah, same. I, I, and I assume a lot of people are very similar. So, yeah, I, I think back like I the way I talk now and like being curious about these type of things. I was always like a curious kid like that. Like I always wanted to figure out why I was like so fucked up or why I was feeling so many emotions. So the interest was always there. So I like to think that I think if you raise someone to that point where like curiosity is encouraged and you're able to feel comfortable answering questions as honestly as possible, I could see teenagers being able to like be really cool. Granted, you're also, it depends on what you're feeding them. Like if you're trying to tell them about I'm trying to think of like a really fringe topic that would really fuck with someone. I don't know. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, racism yeah. and stuff like that. And then like, yeah, there's a lot of things that could be really heavy, but I still think like if you create the environment for them to feel safe in learning about that, I think it might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who has uh, a really cool teenager and uh, he told me about a conversation he had with his kid where he was like, I know you're going to like go out and, you're likely going to experiment. Sure. And he was like, whatever you fucking do, like you need to stay away from things that you snort, like stay away from <laughs> fentanyl and, or things that get in y- yeah. your arm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's uh, cool. I mean, did he tell you like how his child responded? Like, I, I it- think the kid was just like, okay, dad, okay. like I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, for sure. But it, I think it's worth, you know, you, you know, raise a sensible kid, but, you probably want to hammer it in there a little bit more. And yeah, a couple of things are like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think about it. It's like, you know, like training some brewers and I'm like, I wanted to do whatever I could to get them to avoid making the mistake that I had made because I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be really frustrating. It's the same thing with kids. It's like, they're still going to do something, you know, they're still always going to want to have that experience for themselves. And sometimes that's how you fucking learn. And- yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like the burner's hot. Yep. I'm going to touch it anyway. <laughs> and, you know, I, I did plenty of that. Yeah. So. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up on one last question because I love talking about it and I love getting more comfortable with people hearing about it is fucking failure because we all have them. I think being able to be okay talking about them allows us to also get away from what I mentioned about my perfectionist complex. It's like, Let's all be cool with it because the more we accept it, the more we can move on and uh, do cool shit. So it's like, do you have a favorite failure in your life? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> a favorite failure. Yeah. I don't know that I have a favorite failure. Um, excuse me. At one point, my goal was to work in commercial radio and um, that never was able to happen. Mm-hmm. Um I take that back. I was hired at a station outside of Pittsburgh, not far, but outside of Pittsburgh. Um, It would have been like a 30-mile drive there, 30-mile drive back. And the pay was so horrendous that like, I probably would have lost money with this job. So my initial, for a long time, that was my goal and my intention. And um, I slowly realized that... um, I actually was happier training oh, okay. um, that I, I loved training and that I needed to, uh, to do that professionally and full time. Cool. Um, so I guess in some ways that's my favorite failure because I get to basically like, it's like I work on a playground. I get to just, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I do. Um, so failing in that regard was good for me um i might not have been ready for some of the successes that that came with that and it's also forced me to realize that i've had successes in that realm of my life um and real ones uh but i fail every day like Mm -hmm. every fucking like i'm 
constantly failing. Um, and I fail in jujitsu. I failed this morning and, you know, with a friend of mine, turned it into a learning experience. Um, and I hope that's what, you know, I mean, ideally that's the best of what we can do with failure is turn it into an advantage, a learning right. experience. Uh, I, I think trying to think of any other major failures, like, or, or my favorite failures. Uh, but I think that the absolute like torture that I put myself through for failing to succeed at like a good commercial radio gig. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fucking tortured myself uh, and letting that go was um, amazing. And if I won't lie, like if the right station came around and I was able to do something, I probably would. But you can just send this podcast out to um, like an interview and be like, hey, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you hire me or not. Hey, if anyone has a job for change. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a probably the biggest for me failure in that I like really had a goal and there were some circumstances and some decisions I made that made that goal a lot more unattainable. Mm -hmm. that, I won't bore anyone with the details <laughs> of that, but yeah. you know, it all turned out for the, it turned out better. I think um, at the end of the day, I would have, my health would have suffered, I'm sure. And um, I'm where I'm at and I'm happy with where I'm at. And uh, I'm a work in progress. I'm not one of those people who's like fully realized and gifted. I'm like. I hope no one thinks that about them. So I hope no one thinks that they're fully realized. You know, I think yeah. that's what we talked about, like life being a journey. It's like, fuck yeah, man. We change every day, whether we know it or not, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, hopefully for the better. Yeah. Um, what about you? Have you talked about your failure on failures on any of these um, or favorite that's failures? Funny. That's man, Jesse, call me out. That's um, right. I turned this shit around. It's not like I've never <laughs> interviewed someone before. You know, I, I feel very similar that I feel like I've failed a lot. And I, I think a lot of the things that I've learned from have been even like as a manager. So I first started managing like brewers at a brewery when I worked at Rock Bottom. And I think I learned so much from fucking up so badly, you know, and a lot of it stemmed from being really controlling because I felt like, you know, all the responsibility was on me. I would be like, and I think there's certain level of, in a brewery setting, things kind of always have to be the same. So you, so if something goes wrong, you have to be able to pinpoint it. And, but I think it was still part of my personality that I would still want to always be right, always be controlling the situation and know what was going on at all given points and not letting other people kind of contribute to that. And I think that was one of those lessons I had to do because it also, I think like one of the first brewers that I hired completely damaged our relationship and I, you know, I couldn't, and at the same time, there was a little bit on his end of like, I couldn't apologize enough. I couldn't, even while he worked for me trying to correct the behavior, couldn't fix it ever. And, yeah. Um, but it still allowed me to be at a place now where I value like the team mentality and giving people space to be part of what's going on. And it, it makes them feel more valued. So do you think allowing them to have some skin in the game works I, I think, in terms of... Yeah. I think what I look at it now is that I create the structure for everyone to succeed to the best they can. That's kind of how I look at it now. So, But with that, there's a level of flexibility and I create the expectations. So, you know, everyone knows when they come in that, okay, this is how we do things and things can change over time. But the only way things can change is if we all communicate together. And I even encourage people who are super new to always feel comfortable speaking up because sometimes there can be this hierarchy hierarchy in like the beer world where like, oh, just because someone's been doing this longer, they somehow know more. But I look at it as, no, you just started here. You've never worked in a craft brewery before, but you could have you could know a better way we could clean something because of a previous experience and I I want you to feel comfortable enough to say it yeah. because the only way we're going to be better is as a team we value each person's experience and what they can bring to the table 
So yeah, so for me, I create structure, but there's always room for changes. And I think letting people feel maybe skin in the game is a good one, but feeling validated that like, no matter where they are, their experience in their knowledge is valued. I like the idea. It feels like there's levels to how you're approaching things where it's like you create the structure and also the expectations, but you're allowing people some, some leeway. And, right. and I think that is, uh, you know, for a lot of people that would be a really positive uh, atmosphere, uh, you know, people who have ideas and, right. and, you know, they want to express them and, and not everyone might turn out, but mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, the only fa- thing, time that I find that that doesn't really work is when someone doesn't do the communication aspect of things. And that's why I value so much. Like, this is one of the first things I, I tell everyone when they hire me is that I value communication over almost anything. I was like, I would rather have you tell me to go fuck myself than you hold on to your feelings. Mm-hmm. Because the moment you tell me to go fuck myself, we have somewhere we can start talking. And I can be like, okay, that's fine. Sounds like you're angry. Why are you angry? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we can start breaking things down. And I think over time, I've been able to develop this like intuition. And I, and I pay attention to people's behaviors. I pay attention to, um, did they walk in and are they like smiley and saying hi or did they walk in and they look like they want to fucking murder everyone Yeah, and being able, and then sometimes I, I, I try not to like over manage that part of it but like because people's emotions ebb and flow but if I see the patterns that's when I start I'll, and, and no one's speaking up um, I'll pull people aside I'll be like hey we need to talk like what's going on yeah. and oftentimes I find that that alone especially since I work with mostly men the guys don't always want to talk about their feelings. They don't want to talk about it. And, but it prying it out and being like, Hey, I'm noticing X, Y, Z what's going on. Yeah. Giving them the space and even giving them space to call me out Mm -hmm. and, um, making them feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, that sounds like fantastic management of other people. I still fail all the time at it, but those are the things I learned. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, well, Jesse, I feel like I could chat with you all afternoon, honestly. Um, but I've really enjoyed being able to get to know you a little bit better. And um, but I want to give you—is there anything you want to leave guests with, or at least plug some of the things you got going on as well? Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, deepest root is uh, deepest. Uh, I think it's deepest two underscores root because uh, that was all that was available. Um, yeah. There's also a website. It's uh, deepest-root.com if you're interested in uh, training or nutrition I'm always happy to work with people and Mm -hmm. if you're not interested in in me maybe there's someone that I can refer you to so yeah that's really all I have to plug Um, the other things people find out about them yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much yeah thank you this is fun all right I I was afraid I was going to do really bad (laughs) You did wonderful. (laughs)